Yes, indeed, there are more questions than answers. Like why are cigarettes sold in gas stations when smoking is prohibited there? And why are there interstate highways in Hawaii? My name is Adrian Lee and I am your host. Hi America, hello world. Welcome to the show, More Questions Than Answers. The only paranormal quiz show anywhere in the world. Each week my guests and I will search the world's newspapers, websites and TV shows just for you to bring you the very best in paranormal talk radio entertainment and enlightenment. We will then test each other's knowledge of the week's events of the mysterious, strange, supernatural, unusual, bizarre and just plain weird. If you have just tuned in especially to hear the show then I admire your taste. If you have just tuned in by accident then I admire your luck. I am huddled under my quilt with a large flashlight and a nice cup of tea with tonight's guests somewhere in the barren wildernesses of the Midwest Plains, with the sound of my elderly mother snoring distantly from the room next door. So snuggle under your covers, turn out your light and hold on tight. The rules are very simple. Points will be awarded randomly for being interesting or for making me laugh or shiver in horror. Extra points will be available for shock and awe value. To help me control my rowdy panel of recidivists and retrobates, I will employ what I have called the inappropriate bell, an example of that would be... The panel have no idea what's coming. I have no idea what stories they have for tonight's show. And we are completely live and unedited. What could possibly go wrong? So without any further ado, let me introduce tonight's guest panel. Firstly, the mysterious and evanescent Heather Morris. She has been a paranormal investigator for many years with her own team called Hellhound Paranormal and does all of her best work in the shadows. She is now the audio and EVP expert with the International Paranormal Society and brings her knowledge and research skills to tonight's show. Heather has been perplexed all week, wondering how they get deer to cross at that yellow sign. Welcome to the show, Heather. You're very lucky. I am very lucky that you're here and very lucky that they managed to train up deer so well to cross at the yellow <laughs> sign. We also have with us the analytical and sceptical mind of Kim Gore. Kim is also a talented and valued member of the International Paranormal Society. Kim has tried to work out this week why there is an expiry date on sour cream. Welcome to the show, Kim. <laughs> Hello. Finally on tonight's show, I wish to introduce the calm and unflappable Greg Gore. He is married to Kim and we shall see if this is still the case after tonight's show. Greg is a paranormal investigator and tech expert. He owns and operates more cameras and leads than the BBC outside broadcast department. He's also our producer and sound mixer. Greg wants to know that if it's now tourist season, can we now shoot them? Welcome to the show, <laughs> Greg. And I'm sure there's many Americans all over America wishing to do that as we speak. 
We are on episode 22. Would you believe that? It seems like yesterday since we did episode 21. I don't know where the time has flown. (laughs) Now, if you remember the beginning of last week's episode, I did say that if, if anyone wanted to guess how many times, this is on Facebook, if anyone wanted to guess how many times we actually rang the inappropriate bell during the entirety of the show, I would give them free distance healing. Well, we've had lots of little Mexican children counting all the way through last week's show, and it was in fact 22. So talk about synchronicity, the idea that this is show 22, and the bell was rang 22 times on last week's show. So whoever got 22, I will be sending you an email shortly and you shall have some distant Reiki healing. If no one got 22, I'll have to go and look at the Facebook site, which is, of course, more questions and answers with Adrian Lee there on Facebook. Whoever got closest to 22, they shall receive half a Reiki healing session, perhaps just the, the left side of the body or maybe just one leg and an arm. We'll have to have that discussion. I had quite a devastating moment this week. I will share this with you. I feel this is therapy for me. I should be sat here on a couch, you know, talking with you. And, and paying uh, us. Well, <laughs> I should pay you in English pounds because they're worth twice as much, of course. Um, I was in the thrift shop in the Goodwill in Mankato. And I often go in there, of course. I'm wearing a shirt as we speak from that particular... I'm glad you're wearing a shirt. I'm wearing a shirt. Nothing else, but it's, just, it's very warm at the moment in Minnesota. But uh, luckily we have a tablecloth on the table and everything is covered. But I wore a, I bought a shirt there. I also bought books and various bits and pieces. I took them to the front cashier's desk. There was a lady there. She rang all of my items through the till. She looked me straight in the eye and said, would you like the senior discount? <laughs> I said, what? She went, would you like the senior? You've got to be over 55. I mean, seriously. I know. To, I know. I never had grey hair until I started meeting American women. To be fair, but seriously, fifty-five and over for senior. Dis- she asked me. This is how fights start. You do know this. So I hope my uh, my books and my shirts were worth. I looked at my watch, you know, and it was half past four. So I know the very day and the very moment that I became, you know, looking like I was fifty-five and over. I thought I was looking good for my age. She's now a concern. I know I have to be careful because there are people around this table that are very close, if not have gone over um, 55 and over. So, uh, you know, I won't make too many comments there. But And then you'll ask them to go to Goodwill with you. <laughs> yeah. so Greg, you Greg, can you get me a discount? <laughs> I can get you the discount at uh, McDonald's. I got that when I was about 35. They really? gave it to me. Uh. Wow. You must have had a rough night. <laughs> so you got a discount on your chicken McNuggets is yep, what happened. Yep, that was a real kick in the shorts. I didn't, well, if it, if it was a kick in the chicken McNuggets, you'd be in trouble. <laughs> but that was my devastating moment of this week. What I'd like to recap, we've done a lot of paranormal investigations, haven't we, in the last few weeks? And I wanted to talk about one very brief we were at the Christie House and the Christie House you can look it up it's a fabulous building built at the turn of the last century 1901 I believe it's in Long Prairie which is right in the middle of Minnesota it's north of Salk Center and uh, slightly to the right of Alex there so we was in the Christie House in Long Prairie we had quite a lot of activity it's a place I'm going to write about I believe in my next book but uh, we were setting up trigger objects in the kitchen for example and I have some fishing bobbers that I set up and we had a static infrared camera on the table. And this is a house that used to belong to a doctor. So Dr. Christie used to do operations on the kitchen table. So you can imagine the amount of residual energy 
of having operations, minor operations, I'm guessing. But people may have given birth on that particular table. They may have had their appendix removed and various other bits and pieces done. So you're thinking there's going to be a lot of pain and anguish. You know, turn of the last century anaesthetics and techniques in uh, medicine perhaps weren't as good as they are now. So I set up a bobber on this kitchen table. We left the kitchen area. We'd started doing a vigil in the parlour. And uh, we heard the bobber fly off the table, bounce around the kitchen floor. So we come running out of our vigil. I can see the bobber rolling around the floor. And we actually caught on video this bobber leaping off the table. But interestingly, when you go back and review the footage, you actually see white energy orbs floating around the obber. The, the obber. I love obbers. That's an Australian um, bobber, of course. And... Uh, <laughs> You could see all the energy around them twisting and, and circling and, and going around and then the bobber falls on the floor. So that was very interesting. But Heather, you was with us on that particular investigation. What sticks in your mind? What things came to you? Two instances. Um, one being that I was taking photographs in the attic and we have a pretty prominent um, male figure that appears in one of the mirrors and you've seen the photograph and it is none of the members that we had with us. Yes, you've got a photograph. Um, you weren't taking a picture of him. You didn't know it was no. there until after the event. Right. But you're taking a photograph for the baseline test. As we go around the building, we video our walkthrough. We take photographs of every part of the building in every room. So if anything moves, we've got a record of what used to be there. And you can take hundreds of digital photographs and delete them afterwards, of course. But you took a photograph in the attic and in the mirror... There's a male face, and the gentleman looks fairly elderly. He's balding, yes. and uh, mm-hmm. he's slightly drawn in the face, but it's certainly not... I know I look over 55 now, but it certainly <laughs> um, wasn't myself. In actual fact, I'm going to go back to that. My mother's only a few years older than that, I might add. My mum, I'm sorry, I can't let that go. My my mum's only nine years older than that. That's outrageous. Can we go back to the yes, man sorry, in the I mirror? Yes, yeah, sorry, I was just having a moment there of... Uh, <laughs> Get off your I was just releasing it. I was letting it go. Um, another strange thing about that is that our other member, Lorna Hunter, actually did some research and found photographs of, it. was it Dr. Christie? It was Dr. Christie's brother who was called Bob, I believe. Yeah, and we did side-by-side comparisons and the likeness is almost uncanny. Yes, that is quite remarkable. The other thing that um, took my attention was the fact that we had lots of electrical magnetic field activity in the parlour, in the middle of the parlour yeah. on the floor. And they would have used the parlour for wakes, of course, and laying out bodies. I have historical records of them actually doing this. We had three what we call K2 metres, which measure the electrical magnetic fields in the air. And they were just going nuts on the floor. I mean, just pulsing, but... They not, were dancing. They were dancing around. What I decided to do... In the corner of the parlour, they had an old Victriola. A Victriola, is that what it's called? It's like an Edison. Yeah, Victriola, yeah. Edison made them, and it was a a $300 purchase at the turn of the last century. It was an amazing piece of furniture, all polished wood and carved, very ornate. Very creepy when you start them up and you hear the clicking of the record and the static and everything. What we decided to do was what they call the Singapore effect or the Singapore theory, which is where we recorded some old gramophone music on a CD. We burnt it onto a CD. And then in the darkness, we played the CD to see if we could attract anything that was there, any spirits. And uh, I have to say, people have asked me over my 15, 20-year career as a paranormal investigator, have you ever been scared? 
And my response has always been, I've never been scared, but there's been moments where I've been concerned. And uh, this was one of those moments because we sat in the dark. It's a Victorian parlour. There's sepia photographs of very stern looking old women looking down at us. The whole place is really creepy. There's an old piano you know, it's it's the uh, library there. There's medical equipment scattered everywhere that looks like torture equipment. And suddenly we play the play button on the CD and you can hear the crackling and the whirring as the gramophone starts up. And we played By the Light of the Silvery Moon, which I believe is an Ada Jones song from about 1913. So we sat there in the dark. The house is creepy. We've already had bobbers and flashlights flying around the house. And suddenly you can hear, by the light of the silvery moon. And it picks up and goes slower and faster. <laughs> I swear I sat there with the hairs on the back of my neck. <laughs> if, if a small child would suddenly have appeared in a Victorian dress, you'd have just seen my shoes. <laughs> in fact, the thing that made me laugh was the guy who's the president of the historical society for that particular house. Um, he won't mind me saying that he's in advanced years and he had a bit of a back problem. And he took with him what I'd describe as a fishing chair that you unfold and sit on. And I want to be fair to the guy, but every time he stood up, it took him, you know, a little while just to position himself to get out of the chair. I like the fact that if a small Victorian child would have appeared... We'd have gone and just left our shoes behind and he would have been struggling to get out of the chair. But ultimately, of course, all I've got to do is outrun him. Um, was there anything else you wanted to add to well, that? It was, it was actually a full moon the night that we investigated it was. It everything well. was going against us, wasn't it? It's an amazing place. If you get a chance, do stop in. Um, it's on Highway 71, just going north there, about 25 minutes of Salk Centre. Um, in Long Prairie, we will be there, actually. They're doing a weekend of uh, ghost walks and history walks on the 11th, but specifically the 12th of July, they're having a history walk. And I think I'm going to be there discussing all the evidence in the Christie House. If you're in and around the Christie House on the 12th of July, do come in and say hello, and uh, we might be able to give you a guided tour of the building as well, because we need to raise money and make sure these buildings are still there. They're non-profit organisations, of course. And as a historian, I want to make sure these buildings will still be there in another hundred years' time. I think we should post some of those photographs on our website. If you go to uh, my Facebook site, More Questions and Answers with Adrian Lee, we shall post those photographs and you can have a look at them. There's much more um, we could discuss. I took a photograph with a full-spectrum camera of a misty humanoid shape in the stairwell, and we've got all kinds of EVPs. Where, you know, I want to walk through alone. One of my team, um, Scott, said he had, I think, 28 EVPs just in the walkthrough. So uh, we have a lot of evidence to trail through, but we shall keep you informed of that. And other places we will be going throughout the year if you want to come along and join the International Paranormal Society. We shall limber straight into the first round which is ghosts and hauntings heather you won last week's show so i think you should start this week and uh, there's points to be played for so what have you got for me in the round of ghosts and hauntings count dracula's castle in transylvania is up for sale is it really yes stay thirsty my friends <laughs> <laughs> I don't often go for crap in the shower, but when I do, I poke it down with a stick. What? Really, they're selling it. 
<laughs> yes, what's, what's, there's it's uh, <laughs> the cricket. It's in Romania, isn't it? So I'm guessing a couple of chickens and an orange would do the job. Oh boy. The castle of the infamous Count Dracula in Transylvania, which inspired Bram Stoker's 1897 novel Dracula, is up for sale with a reported asking price of at least 47 million pounds or 79 million dollars. 79 million dollars. Ha 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 ha. <laughs> Perched on a cliff near Brazov Where? in the mountain Brazov. Your Brazov? Brazov. I shall give you three points for taking your bra off. <laughs> in the mountainous area of Romania, the Brand Castle, as the fortress it's really known, um, is the country's biggest tourist attraction, visited by around 560,000 tourists annually because of its ties to the Prince Vlad, the Impaler who lived in the region in the 15th century. 560,000 tourists. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> that really isn't working, no. isn't it? That guy died recently, didn't he? The guy who did the who voice to count the count in Sesame Street. <laughs> the count died in Sesame Street? <laughs> he did, unfortunately, yes. They opened the cupboard and the sunlight got on him. Oh, if someone comes in with a reasonable offer, we will look at who they are, what they are proposing, and we'll seriously entertain the idea. Do you know the downside of all of that? You've got to live in Romania. <laughs> oh, but it's in a castle. It is in a castle, so there'll be no electricity, no running water, no sewerage. Sewerage? Sewerage. What's, that, what's sewerage? That's, that's sewage in Romanian. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yes, and uh, Romania is a third world country. I've uh, my sister's been there, and uh, she says it's very grim. I thought oh, I'd share that with you. Really? Can I have crickets now? Was it a fairy tale castle? No, it was grim. <laughs> I shall have points. <laughs> so we're going to club together and buy this, are we? Is that possible? Yes, we're going to. We should start a collection. Well, now that Greg's, now Greg's com, made maybe? savings at McDonald's, and I've made savings at the Goodwill, we, we're going to be there aren't we in another couple of thousand years we'll make up the money the current owners of the refurbished brand castle um have opened it to the public as a private museum of the country but now they are all in their 70s and believe they cannot run it any longer so they decided to sell it it is said that they the three heirs have offered the romanian government a chance to buy it for 47 million pounds but they want to keep their options open Given that the building is not only a national monument, but it's also the most important tourist attraction in Romania, the royal family wants the person who buys it to continue running it as a tourist destination. I do know that entire area is overrun with wild dogs. So if you're doing EVPs, if you're doing any kind of audio recording, there's just constantly dogs barking from night all the way through to the morning how did you get that connection i'm not following you well this is the castle isn't it i've known ghost hunters go there and i've asked them what it's like and they've told me they can't get decent it's went audio. to the dogs it's gone to the <laughs> there we go there's your dinner <laughs> if you can catch it dogs are very greasy so i say kickstarter.com we try to buy it what that's not think? a bad idea we could try and get that as i said the downside of that is you've got to live in romania so Mm. You know, it's not not somewhere I necessarily. I've 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 travelled through. What are they Eastern. famous for? What Romania? Yeah, Riesling. I've no idea. What's that? Romanian Riesling. It's wine. a it's a wine. Yes, Kim jumps Ooh. straight. We picked a subject she knows something about. <laughs> <laughs> Romania isn't famous for very much, unfortunately. But uh, they used to have a decent soccer team not so long ago. But uh, yeah, 
I, I've travelled through Eastern Europe. I've been to the Czech Republic. I've been to Poland. I've been to Hungary. It's hard work. You know, it's uh, when these countries fell after the Soviet Union broke up in the early 90s. You know, they are third world countries. They are fairly lawless in some of the most wild parts. I went to Pilsner. You know, you hear of Pilsner Lager, don't you? You think Pilsner Lager, fabulous. I went to Pilsner. It's slightly to the left of Prague. It takes about two hours to get there by train. It's the fourth most polluted town anywhere in the world. It's like five times over the United Nations pollution levels. So I get out of the station and it's like breathing in the back of a taxi cab, you know, when it turns the ignition on. All the grass is yellow and brown, like they've practiced Agent Orange there. You know, the, 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 the river that runs through Pilsner is bright green and looks like pea soup. It has no redeeming features. In fact, it's only the dirt that's holding the buildings together in actuality. So, you know, next time you're drinking a Pilsner, do, do bear that in mind, I would suggest. So you shall have points. You're Yay. on a hefty... I shall give you two, which now... Puts you on a hefty five, having uh, taken your bra off in the first round already. So that's, that's very a good impressive. Round. It's a fabulous round. <laughs> I'm wondering how Greg's going to get his points would be my concern. <laughs> I'm not taking my bra off. <laughs> well, Greg had to start wearing a bra when Kim found one in the car. Um, well, I'm going to jump to my story now. It says, does anyone want to buy this haunted doll on eBay? It's all about buying and selling tonight, isn't it? It's amazing how these themes come about. We We've no idea what everyone else's stories are, so it always amazes me that there's a synchronicity here in what we do. It said, with recent talk of progressive relationship techniques like attachment parenting or conscious uncoupling, it appears that good old-fashioned scare tactics are no longer a part of the family dynamic. If you're the sort of person who misses the old ways, then a recent eBay listing may be of interest to you. With a modest reserve of £5, which is about $8.50, this haunted old doll looks like a cheap way to horrify a spouse, traumatise a pet, or give your children PTSD. It's worth checking out the user's frantic description if you're sceptical about the doll's supernatural qualities. The seller's son has apparently been scratched on the face in his sleep, and they've also woken up to bruised legs with no explanation as to how they got there. No need to worry, son. I'm just going to take your temperature. Given these inexplicable happenings, the fact that the doll looks like the host body for the Antichrist, it's no surprise that the seller is desperate to get rid of it. Ten people who presumably hold a grudge against their loved ones have already bid. Good luck with the auction, everyone. Now, I do have a collection of possessed and haunted dolls. I was actually given one a couple of years ago. I was uh, called by an antique shop in Alexandria. And they said to me, you're the guy who does all the paranormal investigating, aren't you? And I was living in Sork Centre at the time. And I said, yes. And they said, can you come to the shop and collect a Victorian China doll? We've tried to sell it three times now. And uh, every time we've sold it, the people have brought it back a few days later and said they want their money back because things start happening in their house. The lights get switched on and off. The faucet gets turned on. The television goes on and off. So I turn up to this antique shop and they hand over this doll, which is a really ugly looking thing, to be honest. It's got a cracked head and missing fingers, but it is a Victorian creepy doll. And I sit it in the car next to me. It's got its seatbelt on, of course. So I'm driving along. I decided to christen her Emma for, for no other reason than that's the name I was getting through psychically. So I call her Little Ems. And uh, that night I sat her on the sofa and I went to bed. Lo and behold, never done this before. The TV came on in the middle of the night. So me and Ems had a little chat, and uh, things are good from now on in. We have a, a good relationship, and she's become the mascot to the team. So there's been occasions when we do investigations and we take her along, 
as a trigger object, but I do have a collection at home of very strange, bizarre, haunted, possessed dolls of all descriptions. When you find bits of their clothing and shoes scattered around and they're not in the position you leave them in when you turn the lights off that night and you come back in the morning, and uh, is there any chance you want to take some of these off me, Greg? Are you happy to... No, I don't want any. Okay, I just thought I would ask. Kim, what have you got for me tonight in the round of Ghosts and Hauntings? What this three-year-old boy did will give you goosebumps. This is the spookiest thing ever. Wow, that's 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 some statement to make, isn't it? (laughs) For thousands of years, nobody has been sure what happens after people die. But it turns out the answer could lie in the hands of a three-year-old boy from the Middle East. The child, a member of the Druze ethnic group who live in a region near the border of Syria and Israel, insisted to his elders that he knew what had happened to him in his past life and even led them to his old village. The child's incredible account was recorded in a book called Children Who Have Lived Before by German therapist Trutz Hardo. He explains that as soon as the three-year-old boy could speak, he began to insist that he had been murdered in his former life. He was born with a sharp, thin, red birthmark on his head, a remnant, he claimed, of a savage axe blow to the head inflicted by a neighbor. It wasn't Harry Potter, was it, by any chance? <laughs> the amazing story was uncovered by an Israeli doctor called Eli Lash and told to Trutz Hardo. Dr. Lash also explained that the child's elders took his claim seriously and led him to a nearby village where the child insisted that the murder took place. After traveling through several villages, he found one that looked familiar. He insisted he also remembered the first and last name of his murderer. Turning around, he then saw a man he'd never met before. He told him his name. This, he insisted, was the murderer who had killed him with an axe. Shut up, shut up, I've got candy, shut up. (laughs) (laughs) He walked up to the man and said, Aren't you so-and-so? He's got a big mouth, isn't he? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, He said to the man, Aren't you so-and-so? And the man answered, Yes. Then the boy said, I used to be your neighbor. We had a fight and you killed me with an axe. The doctor said that the man went white as a sheep. But that isn't the weirdest part of the story. The boy There's then more? announced, I even know where he buried my body. Ooh. What's more, he was right. The toddler led the village elders to the exact spot not far from the village. It was a solitary pile of stones. When they moved the stones, they found a body with a damaged skull. The split in the skull almost exactly matched the birthmark on the child's head. He knows too much. He also found the spot that the axe was buried, too, again under a pile of stones. With the evidence stacked against him, the accused killer confessed his crime. Ooh. This isn't the only account of a child remembering their past life. Hardo's book is filled with amazing accounts from reliable witnesses. But this is, is the only example of a child going back to convict their own killer after coming back to life. That's remarkable. Is that awesome? I do yeah. remember a couple of years ago, I actually interviewed the mother of a child. And you may have read about this in the news. And the child claimed he did drawings of Second World War airplanes and things like that. And uh, the child said he was a fighter pilot in the Second World War and was uh, based um, around the coast of Japan, I think it was. And they took this kid out there and uh, he said exactly where his plane had come down and they found it underwater and uh, he knew the names of all of his uh, squadron and he knew the names of his wife and everything this little boy had information that he couldn't possibly know at his age the other thing that reminds me of I read a fabulous story once about a police officer that was pulling up um, into a street in the Australian bush so it's in the middle of nowhere there's a farm 
And he said, the policeman said he saw an apparition of a man being chased by another man with an axe. And when he went to the next door neighbour and knocked on the door and was scared that he'd seen these two ghosts interacting with one another, the guy who had the axe in his hand, he actually recognised him from the ghost that was chasing the other ghost. And uh, the guy confessed to that as well. And uh, that's a story I recall reading from the 1970s. So again, I can find out more details about that story. But it's amazing that you you can be prosecuted even now by paranormal activity in many respects. You know, getting evidence from beyond the grave is quite remarkable, I guess. So you shall have a myriad of points, Kim. And that was a fabulous story. And you read it perfectly all the way through. You shall have three points. I'm just going to spend just a minute on another story from our Ghost and Hauntings round. This says, Ghost streaks across field at German Cup Final. Football fans watched last week's German Cup Final were left rubbing their eyes in disbelief as a shadow appeared to streak across the field, leading some viewers to think they'd seen a ghost. If a ghost is shriek, uh, shrieking, Ooh. streaking, surely he's just taken the sheet off at that point. Is that what, if a ghost oh. takes... No, I'm being serious. If it's a ghost and it's streaking, it just takes the sheet off, doesn't it, is where I'm going. Well, well. The ghostly apparition appeared to come out of nowhere and dashed across an unoccupied part of the pitch before vanishing into thin air. I'm wondering if that's a residual haunting, actually. The player seemed unaware if you streak on a regular basis on a certain part of a pitch. I mean, you could get a residual haunting from that I'm guessing the players seemed unaware of any supernatural presence in the game the Bundesliga champions Bayern Munich went on to win 2-0 against rivals Borussia Dortmund it is not the first time football watchers have suggested that a ghost has appeared at a game earlier this month media organizations around the world reported that a ghost was filmed running through the stands during a football match in Bolivia I love the idea of having a ghost football team because you could have a team photograph and there'd be nothing there except the ball floating about waist height where the, where the ghost's got the ball under his arm. Do you see what I'm saying? <laughs> if you have a, I'm serious. If you have a team of ghosts, then surely the ball that they're holding... In actuality, you have to spot the so ball... So you dream of floating balls. <laughs> Only when I'm in space. Um, <laughs> but no, there could be a trophy just being held. There's a ball. Do you know you have spot the ball competitions? We could do spot the player competitions, couldn't you? If you had two teams of ghosts playing one another, you'd just see the ball pinging around, wouldn't you? I mean, surely that's what's going to happen. How does a goalie block any shots? Poof, <laughs> right through him. He wouldn't keep a clean sheet, would he? Yeah, that would be a problem. If anyone has any idea how a ghost goalkeeper can actually save a football, do be sure to let me know on my Facebook site. More questions than answers with Adrian Lee. What a fabulous round. <laughs> we shall now move into our round called... Green men and hairy beasties. It's our round of UFOs and cryptozoological news from around the world. Heather, would you like to kick off? And what have you got for me and where are we going tonight? Strange creature filmed in a pond in Lithuania. Can I tell the story or are you still banned? I am banned in Lithuania. This is true. They banned all paranormal radio shows and all paranormal TV shows. So uh, it's not me that's personally banned, but uh, as a host of a paranormal radio show, this show is not being listened to. Well, it could be listened to in Lithuania. They'd just be breaking the law, I guess. Breaking the law, breaking the law. There you go. So if there's any Lithuanian, (laughs) we do have listeners from all over the world. We have listeners in Italy and Pakistan and Turkmenistan and Australia and Pakistan. Pakistan. These countries I've never <laughs> You're just making this stuff up. Arsville. Where else have we <laughs> Can you remember where else we have listeners? It does say where they're Italy. from. Italy. I've mentioned Italy. Um, 
there was a cuddly toy. There was a toaster. What else was there? See, you're messing me all up. I'm sorry. Do continue. We're off to Lithuania. This if you're is... listening in Lithuania, make sure your doors are locked. We don't want you getting arrested. This is a witness report. So, I was walking with my dog in the evening just before sunset. I love your Lithuanian accent, by the way. You're welcome. We were traveling into vast fields of nature to escape common modern view. It's amazing how a Lithuanian accent sounds like a Minnesotan accent to my ears. But I then, have what a do Minnesotan I accent? You betcha, don't you know? <laughs> <laughs> By accident, I found a pond. It catched my interest since I saw the water hole in the middle of it. Usually people's drills, water holes, in their ponds where fish lives at winter time so fish can breathe this was during the winter the pond was iced over just i so hear that greg's knows. prostate problem still causing him issues <laughs> <laughs> i thought it i i thought i would go see some fishes and stuff if i looked in the hole but as soon as i came closer i noticed that it was evaporating you can't see this in the video since i was filming with my phone which has not the best resolution just so you know, I actually posted this on the More Questions and Answers site, okay. so you can see the video. I actually showed Kim before the show, yeah. and and our guest Nathan, and just so they could see what well, it you may need to like. scroll down to see these stories because we have so many stories posted on there on a daily basis that you may have to scroll down several. I pages. think it was titled "What the Hell Is It?" Um, anyway. Uh, to continue on, when I stepped on that frozen pond further away from the water hole where I was standing, ice was about 20 centimeters thick or even more. And the water hole looked like it was melted with fire or something. So it, it, it purely looked like the hole had been melted in, like something crashed into it that was fairly hot. And you say it was red and it was going up to the surface and then going back down it, below the surface. Mm-hmm. It was really hard. It looked like a red blob. You know, okay. like the blob from the movie. Like Steve McQueen, the blob. Literally. And yep. and you could see other creatures in the pond, like a frog was moving around like it had, you know. I've seen some bright red blobs when I've gone to the local fitness center. I actually enrolled at the fitness <laughs> center. Now, do you know when you go to the fitness center, is it quick fitness or what's it called? Everyday fitness or? River? No, what's side? the fitness center? So you can just turn up any time of the day or night called. They're everywhere. Someone 24 hour out. fitness? Excellent. There we go. That's the one. <laughs> No, I turned up and you have to have a special test, don't you? They they check to see how fit you are. And uh, the woman said, how flexible are you? And I said, well, I can only come on Tuesday and Wednesday evenings. Oh, boy. So this was this was going up and down. It's a big red blob. Yes. And it, it just, it you know, the silt on the bottom of the pond, it would clear away and it would try to rise above the silt a little bit and then it would go back down and then it would come back up. And it's clearly moving in the video. And you can't tell what it is. You have no clue. No clue. There's no eyes, no definition or anything. It makes me wonder why people haven't gone back there and just gone to explore it or gone to have a look. Yeah, these Are people, they ambitious in Lithuania? Um, they were ambitious enough to leave the Soviet Union. We have a lot of Eastern <laughs> Bloc stories tonight, don't we? These countries are fabulous. If you get a chance to go to Estonia, Lithuania, they are amazing countries with fabulous fabulous landscapes i have a story here for cryptozoology it says is this the skeleton of a legendary devil dog black shuck <laughs> <There we go. laughs> leave that dog alone sir is this the i thought i buried you rover three weeks ago this is the, is this the skeleton of the legendary devil dog black shuck who terrorized 16th century east anglia 
According to folklore, Black Shuck terrorised East Anglia in the 16th century. He towered at seven feet tall with flaming red eyes and shaggy black hair. Ever had a big black shuck, Greg? Is that something you've had? No. No, okay, the night's still young. Now, Can remains... No. <laughs> <laughs> Has anyone round the table had a big black shuck recently? No? Okay, we're good. Let's just get out of our system. No, no, high five. Strong. It says, now the remains of legendary hound may have been unearthed during a dig. Bones found by archaeologists among ruins at Leaston Abbey in Suffolk have been unearthed. They belong to a male dog standing at seven feet tall and weighing 200 pounds. Experts are currently carrying out radiocarbon dating tests on the remains. I wonder if the Hold experts... on a second. Seven foot tall? Yes. Shoulder height? Yes. I wonder... That's I... a really skinny dog. I'm sorry. 200 pounds and seven foot high. If, it, if that's shoulder height... Perhaps that's it's a root... just, if it's a greyhound that's been bitten by a radioactive bug or something. I don't know. Do they know the difference between a horse and a dog? I mean... Is, that, is a horse skeleton similar to a dog skeleton? They claim it's a seven-foot dog. They've carbon-dated the bones, 16th century. It's 200 pounds. So uh, there's plenty for all the family. Um, <laughs> Christmas time. Everyone gets a leg. That's the benefit of a dog. Everyone gets a leg. Um, they don't know what it tastes like because they never caught one. It says it roamed the countryside, spreading death and terror. A giant, ferocious hellhound with flaming eyes and savage claws. For centuries, the beast that came to be known as Black Shuck struck fear into the hearts of all who crossed its path. Just a single glimpse was enough to impart a fatal curse. The briefest encounter, sufficient to suck the life from any hapless victim. I've done a lot of research on hellhounds, actually. The, the legend is that if you see a hellhound, you will die within the year if you see one. They're meant to be very unlucky to see. And hellhounds or, or black dogs like this tend to be found around sites where there's been battles. They're seen on battlefields. Um, they're seen where there's executions, for example. Uh, one of the chapters in my last book, Mysterious Minnesota, was at Fort Snelling. And the staff there continually said that they saw a black dog walking around the site. Now, if you're in a fort, there's only one door in and out of that fort and it's closed most of the time so wild dogs or stray dogs just can't get into the building and this dog has been seen consistently um, when I interviewed the staff there over the last 10-15 years and of course there were executions that took place at Fort Snelling when you think about the Sioux uprising and the hangings that took place there but that's something I wrote about um, in Mysterious Minnesota if people are interested to look at that further. You have a question Heather? Well actually my previous group was called hellhound investigations or hellhound paranormal and one of the reasons that i had chose the name was um another part of the legend for hellhounds also included that they came to get um troubled or um souls that were meant to go back to hell yes they would drag them kicking and that's screaming. what they were meant for they weren't here for the good spirits they were here to get the bad ones and get rid of them and of course, you think of Cerberus guarding the gates of Hades, the two-headed dog. So uh, I did know a dog once that was lying on the ground in front of a fire chewing a bone. And he kicked it. No, it stood up and it had three legs. Um, <laughs> but yes, if anyone's interested, that looks like a horse to me. I'm sorry, you're going to ride. Can you imagine riding into battle on a dog that's, you know, seven foot tall? I mean, that's going to eat, that's going to eat a lot of, you know. Meat. It's going to eat a lot of bonio, isn't I, it? <laughs> Isn't that a dog food over here? Bonio? Yes, if you've got a big dog. Sunny Bonio. Yes. <laughs> <sighs> oh. 
don't clap. Don't encourage it. Don't. Just don't. Don't encourage it. I've got you, babe. By the clothing, I'm dragging you back to hell. There we go. Kim, what if you... Stop the madness, please. Stop the madness. What have you got for me in the round of UFOs and cryptozoology? Newborn goat nicknamed Octagoat for its eight legs. An eight-legged goat? Wow. (laughs) They definitely won't be catching that and eating it, will they, is what I'm suggesting. Wow. Can you imagine how long it takes it to get out of the house? You know, when you've got all your kids and you're saying, come on, let's get out of the house. He's got to put eight pairs of shoes on. kids, I get it. You see what I did there? (laughs) If If he's playing soccer... I mean, he's not going to get out and play the game until the second half, is he? Because he's got to put eight pairs of shoes on. He's got to put eight pairs of boots on. And he hasn't even got posable thumbs. So imagine, you know, you've got goats versus sheep. It's You're a soccer match. You're obsessed with soccer tonight. I'm obsessed. just saying, if, the goat, if you've got a goat on your team, it's not going to get out until the second half, is it? He's going to spend the first half putting but his boots on. if he's got on. eight legs, he doesn't need to be out there till the second half. <laughs> yeah. I think he'll do all his damage in the second half. Why yes. didn't you bring him on earlier? I couldn't. He was putting his boots on. Wow. Uh, the the goat was from Croatia. Oh, God. More Eastern European countries, yeah. <laughs> His mother's name is Sarka. Uh-huh. Uh, vets believe the newborn's condition is the result of an underdeveloped twin sibling because it has both male and female reproductive organs. Spider goat, spider goat. It does look like spider goat. I put a picture yep. on there. Do you hear about llama man? Llama man, llama man. Does whatever a llama can. He can bleat. He can trot. He's got everything a llama's got. No, it wasn't a particularly no. successful superhero. Was Llama Man one of the one of the <laughs> one of the minor ones? Didn't have many super. Kind of like Aquaman. Yeah, kind of like Aquaman. Yeah, wow. <laughs> he can make a fish finger come to him, but that's about the sum of it. <laughs> Scuba Steve. <laughs> oh, what? Scuba Steve. So, what does it taste like? Does anyone know? They aren't sure yet even if the goat's going to live. If it makes it sure. one week, it may make it a little bit longer, but they sure. assume it's just going to die. Yeah, these things don't tend to live very long. What a fabulous round. There's points all round. Kim, you are on five. Heather's also on five. I'm racing into a lead with a six because I've just given myself six. Greg, you are now on four for such fabulous sounds be sure to stay tuned as we explore further the week's news of the paranormal and strange after these short messages from our sponsors the lakes area paranormal interest group meets bi-monthly to discuss all things paranormal the group's primary focus is on the topic of ufos but they also delve into alien abductions cryptozoology bigfoot crop circles and ghosts come with an open mind and be prepared to discover the who what when where why and how of these phenomena Meetings are from 7 to 9 p.m. Central Time in the Banquet Room of the American Legion Club in Waite Park, Minnesota. For more information, visit their website, lapig.org. For people who believe that standing in a cold, dark basement in the middle of the night for hours on end is perfectly normal. They also have a fabulous Facebook site as well. If you go to the Lakes Area Paranormal Interest Group, their Facebook site is fabulous it has all kinds of information on they're posted on a daily basis ufos ghosts all the stories from around the world the minnesota chapter of the mutual ufo network mufon meets the second saturday of every month at the new brighton community center new brighton minnesota meetings are from 2 to 5 p.m central and include investigation reports open mic book reviews videos and guest speakers 
Anyone with an interest in UFOs is welcome to attend. For anyone who's experienced a UFO sighting or knows someone who has, this is the place to be. Meeting agendas, driving directions and tons of UFO information can be found at mnmufon.org. I would love to hear from you if you would like your business or product advertised live on more questions than answers. Reaching the nation and beyond with informative, well-educated listeners of good taste and a love of the paranormal and all things oddly intriguing. If it's paranormal and it's in the news, we are talking about it on more questions and answers in the lyrics and the words of the reggae legend that is johnny nash there are indeed more questions and answers and the more i find out the less i know which means i'm probably less intelligent than when the show started i'm your host adrian lee famous for being banned as we know in lithuania for introducing the world to dirty hobo water and sometimes the annoying inability to say abominable snowman had to think about that i always have to think about it it's a it's a very difficult word for me i must have been killed in a previous life by an abominable snowman (laughs) i also don't like coconut as well by the way so i suspect at some point i had a coconut drop on my head because i really detest coconut and is indeed the devil's work it's delicious it's not at all welcome back for the second part of tonight's show i have to say i was flying back from london on a flight back to Minneapolis and it's about eight and a half hours nine hours and of course I'm traveling on my own and there was an occasion when there was a lady um, sat next to me who decided to absolutely lather herself up and baste herself in coconut oil so (laughs) it's the one thing that if I smell I completely gag and I can't bear the smell of coconut I don't like the taste of it it's just abhorrent know from start to finish to be perfectly honest and there's me on an eight and a half hour flight pinned in of course like a battery hen and the woman next to me is liberally you know covering herself in vast amounts of coconut oil was a particularly bad flight but uh if that was any if anyone was listening and knows who that woman was then i'd love to know her address (laughs) if you have just joined us then where have you been and what could have been more important if you have stayed with me then let me raise your spirits further by saying we still have 50 percent of the show still left to go hurrah and a happy dance all around the bedroom i've been handed a fresh cup of tea and the promise of cookies i have fresh flashlight batteries and my mother thankfully has now stopped snoring from the room next door so onwards we march we enter the round which we call bizarre and strange it's those stories from around the world that don't fit any other category but make you go "Ooh, that's bizarre and strange what have you got for me tonight heather man suspected of stealing gps device arrested after calling 911 because he was lost well that doesn't sound like that's working then does it i would suggest (laughs) It's in Polk County, Florida on June 2nd. Having a stolen GPS unit in his backpack didn't stop a Florida man from calling 911 because he was lost and being chased by wild pigs. (laughs) (laughs) To be fair, those wild pigs had a flick knife and one had tattoos and they took all of his money. You know this... Ooh. There's times, you know, you get you get gangs of delinquent wild pigs hanging around on street corners, and they're bullying grannies. They're taking your money off you. They're mugging you. It's appalling. Confusing I think something you should... when you're lost. I know it's outrageous. I, I, you know, there's often times I drive fast through towns late at night because there's delinquent pigs roaming around looking to mug you. It's a terrible thing. <laughs> Eating donuts. I don't know what this country's doing about it. It's no, terrible. Streaking. No, nothing. Nothing. <laughs> 
Andrew Jeff called 911 in Polk County to report that wild boars were chasing him around 1.50 a.m. Thursday, and he was found walking several miles west of U.S. Highway 27. What's pink and hard? <laughs> a pig with a switchblade. Wow, I thought this was going to have to be saved for the last story. What's pink and hangs out your trousers? And wrinkly. It's my mother. <laughs> <sighs> Points to be had. This is terrible. <sighs> Police discovered that Jeff had an open warrant for driving with a suspended or revoked driver's license, and he was brought into custody. When deputies searched Jeff's backpack, they found the stolen GPS that he, the 24-year-old, had admitted to stealing from a vehicle. We have had people with warrants call us to turn themselves in before, but it's unusual for someone with an active warrant who just burglarized a car to get lost and call us for help. Where did the pigs come in again? I'm confused. They chased him. He was out running around in the woods. That's how he got lost. That's how he got lost. Oh, beware of those pigs in the woods. Did he stumble across a wolf and a little girl wearing a red hood by any chance? I just wondered. You, know. you wanted the address, didn't there you? There was two, two young children dropping breadcrumbs, yeah. There's some strange things going on in the woods, I have to say. Kim, what have you got for me tonight in the round of Strange and Bizarre? Drinking water inspectorate finds traces of cocaine in Britain's water supply. This is why we're such a happy nation. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Greg, Greg's, Greg's been to Taco Bell. Is everything good now? Is that a good clear out? <laughs> That's fine. Both ends. There you go. Experts at the agency have conducted a series of tests as part of a study to assess the danger of pharmaceutical compounds appearing in the water we drink and have revealed that the drinking water contains a metabolized form of the Class A drug, which results after the illegal substance has passed through the human body. My dad came in drunk once. I said to my dad, you're drunk. And he said, what's so bad about being drunk? And I said, ask a glass of water. (laughs) I've got time. I'm here all week. (laughs) Try the fish. (laughs) Do continue. Sorry, we have cocaine in our water supply in Britain. Uh, Despite the fact that the water had gone through several purification treatments, specialists confirmed that the metabolized form of the drug was found in samples at four sites. Estimated exposures for most of the detected compounds are at least thousands of times below doses, seen to produce adverse effects in animals, and hundreds of thousands below human therapeutic doses. I do <laughs> therapeutic doses. I do know that there are traces, small traces in Britain of Prozac in the water supply. And I think on average I read that the water supply in Britain has gone through seven people on average before it gets to you. Um because obviously Does it have Viagra in it? <laughs> I don't know. Does it have Viagra in it, Greg? I don't know. We have no idea. <laughs> that would be a uh, that would be a hard drink, I'm suggesting. My my parents were very strange and uh, when I was a child they, they didn't take me to the zoo, they never took me to museums or anything like that. Guess where we got to go when I was a child? They had an open day at the sewage treatment plant in London. So my day out as a child, and of course, you know, you're getting a flavour of, of the damage my parents... I don't want to get flavour of anything coming from a sewage plant. <laughs> Apple didn't fall far from the tree, though, either. <laughs> well, I'm just suggesting that, you know, you're getting an idea of, uh, you know, how I'm, I am on this show due to my parents, of course. But ultimately, I get a day out at a sewage treatment plant. Unbeknownst to my parents, do you know what I did? 
I, I, I flushed a Mars bar wrapper down the toilet and uh, when we were at the sewage treatment plant, I swear I saw a, a Mars bar wrapper go past and amongst everything else. But it's quite an interesting day out. I mean, they've got machines that just pick up toilet paper and it, it's quite... You get excited when you flush now, don't you? Well, I put a flag in it and see if it was mine. That's mine. Look, it's got a flag in it. Look, that's going to be a danger to shipping. But uh, that, was my, that was my day. It's an absolutely true story that my parents took me and my sister when we were young to an open day at London's sewage treatment plant. It's uh, as swear as God, God made little apples, that is true. So uh, no zoo for me, no, no fun fair, no rides, no circus. I did go to the circus once with my parents. I told you the story, didn't I, about what happened when I went to the zoo with my other circus. I, w- I was sat there as a small child. The elephants are going round in a circle and I'm with my mother and my sister and of course one of the elephants, as always in these situations, is slightly getting aroused and I have to say I'm no expert on elephants but of course everything's in proportion. So when the elephant is a large beast and it's getting aroused then uh, you know we're looking at a golf bag pretty much is what we're looking at. So ultimately this elephant's going round and my dad nips off to go and get a soda and some peanuts and he's going to come back so I nudge my mum and say what's that on the elephant as the elephant comes around and my mum says that's its trunk and I said no no not at the front it's it's kind of at the back and she said it's its tail Adrian be quiet I said no it's hanging down below (laughs) wow and uh, ultimately my uh my mum said, I said, what's that hanging below the elephant? And my mum said, oh, that's nothing. And, you know, very British, of course, very stiff British upper lip. Stiff, don't, huh? don't discuss such things, do yeah. we? And anyway, my dad came along and uh, he sat down and the elephant comes around again. And I said to my dad, what's that hanging down from the elephant, dad? And my dad, of course, being a scientist, said, that's its penis, son. And I said, oh, mum says that's nothing. And he said, I've spoiled that woman. True story. Wow. True story. Have we got anything left in the round of the strange and the bizarre, or shall we move on to the not for your mother round? I got one more. Okay, what have you got Do for you me? Not the have strange. One? Yes, I've also got one. I was waiting to see who wanted to chip in. Heather, you need the points. You are on currently five. So, what have you got for me in the round of strange and bizarre? Turkish man seeks new lover on TV show after killing two others. <gasps> wow! Put that away, Greg. <laughs> um, I actually saw this. I did, did you? see this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is not what you want on a blind date show, is it, to be honest? No. A man who appeared on the Turkish television dating show in search of a new partner shocked the audience by revealing he had murdered his former wife and a former lover. Sefer Kalanak, 62, told Flash TV's Luck of the Draw he had served... Luck of the Draw. <laughs> I guess that was unlucky on that day. Yeah. Uh, He had served prison sentences for each of the murders and had been released under an amnesty program. I'm an honest person looking for a new wife, he told the show, saying he killed his first wife because she was irritated or he was irritated by her behavior. Fair enough. And murdered a subsequent partner because he thought she was after his money. Kalanak was asked to leave the show by the host, prompting applause from the studio audience in an episode which made headlines in Turkish newspapers. So he's looking for a woman who's not after his money and is not irritating. Good luck with that. (laughs) (laughs) No Turkish delight for him. I've got a strange and bizarre story. It says, man holding breath in Oregon tunnel causes crash. A 19-year-old man... Did someone fart? (laughs) I'm sorry. What, in a tunnel? Was it a wind tunnel? (laughs) 
A 19-year-old man caused a three-car crash when he fainted whilst holding his breath as he drove through a tunnel northwest of Portland, Oregon. Daniel Calhoun, Washington, told... What was that? Daniel Calhoun okay. of Washington told investigators he fainted Sunday afternoon while holding his breath on Highway 26 near the tunnel. And uh, near the community of Manning, I believe. His car, a 1990 Toyota Camry, drifted across the centre lane and crashed head-on with a Ford Explorer. Both vehicles stuck in the tunnel walls before a pickup hit the Camry. Calhoun and his passenger, 19-year-old Brandy Mayring of Edmonds, suffered non-life-threatening injuries, as did the two people in the Explorer. Calhoun was cited for reckless driving, three counts of reckless endangerment and fourth-degree assault in Washington County Circuit Court. State Police Lieutenant Greg Hastings said Monday he's not sure why Calhoun was holding his breath, but some people hold their breaths in tunnels as part of a game or superstition. Wake up, wake up, you've won. The tunnel, called the Dennis L. Edwards Tunnel, was completed in 1940 and carries the highway through the northern Oregon Coast Range Mountains. It's 772 feet long, meaning that a car travelling at the posted speed limit of 55 miles an hour would get through it in about 10 seconds. You would like to think that you could hold your breath for more than 10 seconds without fainting, wouldn't you? You know, tunnels are scary things. Am I the only one who's scared by tunnels? There's a tunnel that goes under the... T- just me then. I don't know what Freud would say about that. But I was... Uh, there's a tunnel that goes under the Thames in London. It's called Dartford Tunnel, and it's a couple of miles long. And uh, Nathan's been through it, I believe. He's put his hand up to say that he's been through that particular tunnel. What scares me is that when me and my sister were kids and we were in the back of the car, you have like a sunroof. They have to have huge extractor fans to take all the carbon dioxide or monoxide out of the air and uh, clear the tunnels of all of the rubbish that's down there, of course. So as we drive into the tunnel, me and my sister used to look up and as my dad drove under the extractor fan, you could see this huge, massive fan whirling around. And uh, I found that quite scary. Is anyone else scared of fans and tunnels? Propellers on ships are another one. If I'm watching a TV show and I see a ship go down with the propellers still revolving, that just makes my skin crawl. I think these are things, I mean, past life experiences, death by coconut, death by, you know, drowning on a ship, perhaps. I'm just, anyone else want to chip in at this moment or just me? Just you. Just me. Fair (laughs) enough. No one else scared of anything strange like balloons. Do you know why he was holding his breath? There's going to be a joke in here somewhere. No, it's true. Okay, why was he holding his breath? Kim, you know, yeah? Mm-hmm. Yeah, go on then, Kim. I'll let Kim tell you. No, you go right ahead. Well, we have got it's, a show here dying to get a, out. It's so a you, superstition. You hold your breath. And sometimes I think you can, if if you hold your breath while you're going over the bridge, you can make a wish or something too, can't you? Okay. I wasn't thinking any of that. I thought you were going to go sexual with it. No. Well, that makes a change, wow. doesn't it? See, Look at her. No, I was being all nice and stuff. Well, I think Kim's fairly got your personality down to a T, to be perfectly honest. We? <laughs> so, we're, all, we're all disappointed now. Don't that we need not made to know a... what she was thinking? Yes. What was you thinking, Kim? Just sexual connotation. That's it. Okay. <laughs> Nothing you'd like to discuss live on air no. involving tunnels and holding your breath. No. Oh, now I got it. Never mind. Circular breathing, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> have, we all, have we all finished our round of the strange and the very bizarre? Fabulous. We now move swiftly, mercurially, with alacrity onto our final round, which is called, of course, Not For Your Mother. Perhaps this round should have been introduced 
10 minutes ago. But this is the round where we have stories from around the world that we're not meant to mention in front of your mother or people that perhaps have a delicate disposition. So if there's any minors in the room, children, people that are easily... And dwarves. ...offended if there's dwarves, midget, anyone of limited <laughs> height and stature that are easily offended by rude and perhaps innuendo-laden stories from around the world, now would be the time to shuffle them into the bedroom or away from where you are listening. What would you like to start with today, Heather? Who wants to go first? Heather, I'll you're sat it. there. Go for it. What have you got for me in the round of Not For Your Mother? Too much porn could mean less grey matter for men. Wow. I do have a PhD. You are aware of that. Oh. Greg, what have you got? <laughs> <laughs> oh, sex. It's a sexy time. It I like. sexy time. Reachers from the Max Flack Institute... For human development in Berlin say they found less gray matter in the brains of men who watch large amounts of porn. However, what, German porn or just normal porn? Do you have a library or? Achtung, schnell, das ist gut, ja. Schwanz. Schwanzlutscher, bless me einen. No, I don't watch any German porn, no. <laughs> However, the research apparently could not determine conclusively. Conclude. Okay. Yeah, you know. Uh, conclude. I can't even do it. I can't. I refuse. Um, that watching and looking at pornography ruins your actually... eyesight and stops you from reading properly. Make your eyes crossed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one eye looking at you, one eye looking for you. The peanut gallery woke up. <laughs> <laughs> the research was carried out by recruiting 64 healthy male subjects between the ages of 21 and 45. Apparently, with a broad range of pornography consumption, uh, they were a not... A broad range? Yes. What kind of different genres, different tastes, different kind of... Well, different age groups need different things, I'm sure. Really? What do you? What do we need around here? I just, I don't... What do what you do we... need? It's your brain that's shrinking. No, my brain's fine. You're the one who's having trouble reading. <laughs> <laughs> I like the way that instantly Greg types in the word pornography and his computer gives him a whole raft of things to play. It's, like, <laughs> it's almost like it was in his fingertips. How does that work? Well, these... It, it was kind funky. of like a blind type of test because they were not informed originally later on during a phone interview the men were told that questions about pornography would be included as part of the research the, this didn't cause anyone to object or drop out of the study that's the germans Oddly for enough. you well they're very liberal germans this is true the participants then completed surveys explaining how much porn they watched on average and their responses averaged just over four hours per week is that true I don't know. I'm not German. Four the, hours this, a week. We're averaging men, not Germans. Really? I'd have thought that would have been in double figures. I have trouble getting any writing done, to be perfectly honest. Greg? <laughs> just <laughs> The silence is damning, isn't it? To... <laughs> I'm loving the way he's playing all the instruments. He's got the bass part going there, and he's got the kind of, you know, the rhythm guitar going. It's a bit Starsky and Hutch, isn't it? Do you know what it is. It is. A little bit Debbie Does Dallas, yeah. yeah. Well, I don't know about that. <laughs> the study did not confirm whether men with smaller brains needed more porn or that porn actually makes the brain smaller. See, chicken and egg scenario. Yes. Have you seen the chicken and the egg in bed together with the egg smoking and saying, well, that answers that question? 
points to be oh had. Why are you giving yourself points on my stories again? Because I'm I'm the one giving the witty you know comments all the way. You can't even read it. This is his problem. I shall give you points because I I feel bad. I shall give you three points, which will bring you up to a nice rounded eight. Kim, what have you got for me tonight in the round of not for your mother? Well, before I do my story, I have a question for you on phobias on, on porn. No, on phobias. Phobias, okay. I just wanted to know if you included clowns in on that. Claudia phobia. My sister's scared of clowns. I don't mind clowns. I have no problem with clowns. But my sister is absolutely petrified of them. So at any opportunity when I was a kid, I'd be putting clowns in her bed. And uh, she, I don't remember. <laughs> while I was, perhaps she was uh, having experience with a clown at the circus while I was uh, staring at the elephant's penis. Who knows? This could have been. <laughs> this could have been in the same. The same event, I guess. Uh, but no, I personally, I used to make, uh, I used to make shoes for clowns. I don't know if anyone knows that, which uh, was no small feat. Um, <laughs> there you go. I give up. <laughs> okay, it's time for the story. <laughs> Third annual slut walk demonstration. I'm sorry, March what held in Jerusalem? Slut walk. Slut walk. Wow. Israeli protesters dressed as sluts chant against rape during the slut walk and anti-sexual harassment march in central Jerusalem, Israel, May 30th. Well, that makes that less funny, of course. The slut walk march is a protest against rape, inequality, and other sexually based harassments and in support of women's freedom in dress and behavioral choices. According to Israeli's Rape Crisis Center, one out of three Israeli women experienced some form of a sexual assault. The campaign started with a group of Canadian women in 2011 protesting a police officer's comment that if women wanted to avoid sexual assault, they shouldn't dress like sluts. Wow. What does a slut dress like out of interest? What are we talking? High heels and short skirts and lots of... Fishnets and... Keep going. Make it up. Go on. Keep going. (laughs) Wow. That's a very interesting story. This is in Israel, is it? You shall have points for that. That now takes you into the lead. You shall have 10 and it's all to play for i have the final story of the night it says man in his underwear steals new york bread truck and makes deliveries police say a new jersey man helped police locate a man who allegedly stole a bakery truck and continued to make deliveries in his underwear police told the newspaper david baster of 30 of nanette new york stole a grimaldi's home of bread truck on second avenue on monday according to the report baster continued to make deliveries in his underwear to at least three restaurants and stores that were mapped out on a piece of paper on the front seat. Who steals a vehicle but then continues to actually do the work of the person whose vehicle they stole? He actually did the deliveries. I mean, if he's got his hands full and he's got bakery goods... Was this at the beginning of the day? I would imagine so, because he still So had it was quite... a full load? <laughs> it was a full load. <laughs> if he's carrying bread in both hands, how's he carrying the donuts would be my concern. If his arms were full. Hot buns. I find that remarkable. He says, according to the report, Basta continued to make the deliveries in his underwear. I love when you um, say that because I'm just thinking of him shitting his pants. I'm sorry. <laughs> I've, no, I've no idea what you just said there. I 
that's outrageous. You can't say things like that live on air. What I will say, I mean, if you hijack an aeroplane, for example, imagine you've hijacked an aeroplane and you say to the passengers, we've just hijacked the plane, but don't worry, we'll still get you to Alicante on time. We'll get there, you're fine. And if the bomb goes off, don't worry, we've got another one in the cargo hold. Complimentary peanuts are available upon request as our child life rafts. I mean, who, who hijacks an aeroplane but then delivers the passengers to where they wanted to go in the first place? So this guy, I mean, he obviously he's, he's hijacked a bread and bakery truck, has continued to deliver, can you believe, all of the... Uh, <laughs> in I rang up, well, I, I rang up, did I tell you, I rang up the pizza place in uh, Mountain Lake and I said, uh, do you put offal on your pizzas? And they said, no. <laughs> and I said, well, I've got a leaflet here that says you do liver. <laughs> I've, got, I've got... I'm sorry. <sighs> well, all good things come to an end. That was terrible. <laughs> In last place tonight is Greg. He has the uh, broken battery, of course, on the flashing K2 meter. <laughs> <laughs> And he's been delivering bread. <laughs> he's on four points. <laughs> Heather, I think... Do you know what I've done tonight? This is the first time this has ever happened. I normally have columns on a bit of paper, so I normally start with Greg, because he's to my right. I then put my name, and I write the points in. I then normally put Kim, and then I put Heather, and I write the points down. For some reason tonight, I've put Heather and Kim the wrong way round. So in actuality, when I've been giving Kim points... I've actually been giving Heather points. So remarkably, with a score of 10 into double figures tonight, Heather has won. I'm winning again. And she has won the $33,000 IR camera. Ultimately, of course, that was in fact Kim's score. (laughs) You just need to take your bra off each time. There you go. And uh, that's minus three. (laughs) So there we go. Do not fear, listener. Remember, I am back with a whole new bunch of stories next week at the same time. And I would love for you to join me for a fun and informative journey through the world of the paranormal, strange, intriguing, bizarre... Triggering. And just weird. Please tell your friends and family about the show and feel free to contact me anytime via my Facebook site. More questions and answers with Adrian Lee. We have now over 4,000 followers on there. So make sure you join in all the fun and see all of tonight's stories on that particular Facebook site. You can email me, of course, at mqta at rocketmail.com. You can hear the show as well in many other places. We are on iTunes, I believe. We're on SoundCloud. If people have SoundCloud, we have our shows posted on there. Where else do we have them posted? Stitcher. Stitcher. If you don't listen to the show, you have no excuse for not... Of course, you're, with you. You're listening to it right now, of course, so you've accessed mm-hmm. it somehow. But thank you for listening. But it is available on all those things. You can have that on Android, Apple products, and you can listen to my dulcet tones while you're driving to work every morning. My gratitude and greatest thanks are extended to Lorna Hunter, Heather Morris, Jeton Drainer, Kim and Greg Gore and Nathan, and all at the International Paranormal Society at Int paranormal.net and all of the show's sponsors including the lakes area paranormal interest group and mufon of minnesota it just remains for me to say thank you for listening and remember be interested and interesting good night <laughs>